This is Ari Koretsky and welcome to Jews You Should Know, introducing the broader community to interesting and inspiring Jewish men and women making a difference in our world. Some are already famous, some not yet so, but each is a Jew you should know. And we are back with another amazing episode of Jews You Should Know. And not only are we back, but I am back personally from a fabulous trip to Spain, which I took with Olami, Olami being the umbrella organization incorporating Mayor and many other similar enterprises around the world. I was there with around 600 students from 21 countries and many other supporters, educators, and so forth for a week-long leadership conference as well as touring the incredible and profoundly tragic Jewish history in Spain. While I was there, I got to interview some amazing people live, much like I did in Israel a number of months ago this past August. And I will be slow releasing some of those episodes here, as well as cross-purposing them for another podcast I will be hosting for young Jewish leaders about Jewish leadership. I also met some really wonderful personalities there who I didn't actually get to interview live, but with whom I connected and made arrangements to follow up and do remote interviews in the coming weeks and months. So a lot of fertile ground there and really some remarkable personalities that were featured there and that will shortly be featured on our program. The first personality I'm going to be bringing you from this series is with one of the co-founders of Olami himself, Mr. Ellie Horn. Ellie Horn is a Brazilian mega philanthropist who does incredible things all around the world, supporting the Jewish people and combating assimilation through education. I advise you to listen carefully because he has a very heavy Brazilian accent and you need to listen closely to discern all of his English, but it is well worth the effort because his messages are strong and direct and full of conviction, born of a life lived in total commitment to the Jewish people. Once again, a reminder to please subscribe to the show, whether on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, wherever you're getting this particular episode and also please to spread the word and request that others do so as well for their own listening and edifying pleasure. You'll excuse please my even raspier than usual voice on this recording. It was at the tail end of this leadership forum during which time I was around hundreds and hundreds of people and forced to strain my voice quite a bit. So that certainly took its toll. But in any event, We go now to Toledo, Spain for my conversation with Brazilian real estate magnate and mega philanthropist, Ellie Horn. We are here with Ellie Horn, a Brazilian philanthropist, passionate lover of Am Yisrael. How are you, Mr. Horn? Good, thank you, and you? Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, I know from times I've heard you speak a little bit, that you have a wonderful life story and I'd love to hear where you came from, how did it begin, where were your parents from, your family? 
I was born in Aleppo, Syria in 1944, lived in Lebanon and lived in Syria six months, Lebanon nine years, Italy one year, Brazil from since 55. Wow. Now, why, um, why did you move around so much? Because my parents did it, decided to make the trip. My father lost all the money he had, was obliged to travel and to see a country of the future. Brazil was a choice at that time. Well, was Brazil a place that was taking in a lot of Jews? And in 55, when we came, we had no problem with Brazil. Brazil was open to the Jews, to, anybody, to, any, to anyone else. Wow. So during the war, your family was not in Europe at all? You were... No, during the war, my family was in, in 44. I was born in 44. So my, my, my father went to, see, to Lebanon in 45, at the end of the war. What was life like there for Jews at the time? Was it was it? If friendly? you think I'm going to remember when I was six months, it's not difficult. <laughs> well, I'm sure your parents told you. Never spoke too much. But in Lebanon, I was a child. I don't remember too much uh, the problem of anti-Semitism. I don't think I ever had this problem when I was young. In my life, I never so had this problem in general because in Brazil, in Lebanon, Italy, I didn't have this problem. I don't think I had this problem of anti-Semitism myself. Were your parents business people as well? My father was business people. He was importing from Korea in before the war of Korea. When the, the, when the peace happened between Korea, North Korea and South Korea, the price went down, so he lost everything he had at that time. Well, how did he deal with that? He did uh, the way an honest man can do, can deal. I mean, he didn't have money, so he was going to escape from Lebanon to Israel by by night. In order, it was forbidden to go by 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 car or by plane. So he went by foot. He was sixty years something something more. Two days, three days walking by night is very big. A lot of difficulty for my father and. Uh, and he, he, he didn't have other choice. And did he have a very strong connection to, to his Jewish faith? Yes, yes, I think so. In your home, it was very traditional. Was there a lot of Jewish practice? Traditional. The only in Brazil, beginning in '55, my father used to bring rabbis to the house to talk. So I was used to see rabbi in my house for the next. 15 years, from beginning from 11 years of age till 25, 27, 28. These were rabbis that lived in Brazil? or No, rabbis are coming to Brazil. Were there any, what was Jewish life like in Brazil in, in the 50s and 60s? It was not so good. Because people used to make pork, to use pork at the, at the wedding, at the Jewish wedding. Today, pork at the weddings? Yeah, today the, we don't have any more that kind of custom, thank God. Brazil is, uh, the community is uh, 100,000 Jews. Assimilation is strong, 60%. There is an Egyptian community that always disappeared. They came in 56 with 5,000 members. Today, probably there is no left, not even 50. That is the price we pay when we, don't, when we ignore the roots. So did you start getting more interested in Judaism when you were young? or When I was young, I was... I, well, 10, 10 years, you don't think so much. When I was 13... I saw a, a child in my in the street was paralytic. It shocked me how God could allow this to happen. A child of two years. I beginning I began to have less faith. This happened in 27 years of age. 
we never we were never we were never too much religious. We were traditional like in the Middle East people. I began to have less faith in that religion. Till the day I was I was committed to to marry someone from outside. Then began the problem of God. If God exists, God doesn't exist. If God exists, I have a purpose. If I have a purpose, I'm Jewish. If I'm Jewish, I must marry Jewish. So this question it took some years till when, when Rabbi told me, taught me about God, existence of God. And uh, when I accepted God, so I accepted the reincarnation, I accepted the, 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 the boy paralytic with two years of age because he had another, uh, another uh, reincarnation that explained why he was like this. In the beginning, I married Jewish, and I tried to help to, to not, to my children have the same problem that I had. So I decided to, to begin to fight, to fight assimilation. This happened, uh, there's a fight that lasts 30, 30, 30, 40 years. And maybe 2000, something like this, 2000, I decided to give 60% of my belonging to, to charitable institution or causes. My father, when I was 38 years of age, decided to give 100% of his belonging. He didn't have too much. He had very few, but he gave it anyhow. For me, was the, the example that was good, to how to give, when to give, and what to give. In 2005, I made an IPO. The stock went up 30 times. Uh, maybe God wanted to test me if, if I was going to keep my promise, to give 60%. Of course, I kept my promise. I keep going, keeping 60% of my belongings that are much more than before 2005. How did you get into business to begin with? Did you, were you, were you very interested I began, in business? I began selling and buying apartments without money. In Brazil? In Brazil. I, the apartment would cost, an example, $10,000. I would, would pay cash $1,000, 10%. I would make a loan of $1,000. didn't have the money. <laughs> $3,000 in 90 days and $6,000 in 36 months after the 90 days. I was obliged to sell the apartment during the 90 days in order to, be, to pay the second entrance of, 3, of 30%. So you were flipping, basically? Flipping, if you run this flipping. I flipped a lot of times, maybe a hundred times. Then I decided to make the same thing with lands. I flipped lands and I made a lot of money. Uh, an example, from 19 to 25 years of age, I made $100,000. From 25 till 29, I made $25 million at that time. From that wow. time. All from this real estate business? All from this flipping. Was Brazil a strong market at that time? Very strong at that time. And did you start diversifying outside of Brazil at some point? Going no, I, did, I diversified much later, much, much, much later. Wow. The beginning till, till 50 years of age, or maybe 60, I didn't do nothing abroad. Interesting. And at this time, when you said you had this crisis of faith, and then you started to almost, you know, marry out, as you mentioned, what did you do when you wanted to start exploring the questions about God and and so forth? Did you read I books? Tried to, I tried to, to have lessons, lessons with rabbis and uh, why God exists, if He exists, why He created me, if He exists, what am I? What is my mission? What is my purpose? What was the meaning of life? What the meaning of creation? What the meaning of God? How could create himself? The same questions that everybody has. In my point of view, for my case, I mean, I think I have the conclusion that God exists and it helped me to, 
to give a direction to my life. What convinced you of that? Things cannot happen by coincidence. Things cannot happen without a cause. Uh, if you take a piece of painting, you throw it in the wall, what are you going to see? Probably not a beautiful painting. <laughs> Can you see a house? Probably not. Why is it probably? Almost definitely not. Let's not. Okay, so if, if you, you throw a painting to the wall and the one house will not be shown, how do you explain the space that is millions of kilometers of light years and everything is so precise, so chronometric, a lot of planets going one around the other, so on. It's, it's not possible that this happened by coincidence, by chaos. It's not possible. If it's not possible, so someone did it. Call him God. Call him the way you want. Someone did it. I had experience with dogs I mean, that, that, that take care of the babies. When they are in good health, then after six, seven months, he doesn't care anymore about the babies. The meaning is, this is, means there is a ship in her head. She takes care for six months, then after she let it. It is a ship, it's not normal. The ship call him peace of God. When I was 35, I went to a Kabbalist. I was losing money in a speculation. I told him, I'm feeling very bad, I'm losing money in that speculation. What I do? Kabbalist, I said. He said to me, double the bet. Rabbi, how can I double the bet? I'm feeling very bad, losing a lot of money. I cannot afford to lose <laughs> this or more. He said to me, when you come to me, you do whatever I tell you, or, or don't come and do whatever you want. I doubled the bet. Instead of losing a fortune, I made a profit of 8%. So in some I have a lot of experiences with Rabbi with Kabbalists, with uh, people, uh, lessons, experiences that prove me that God exists. Kind after thirty, forty facts, you cannot deny God. If you deny God, mean you deny reality. Was it hard for you to break off that relationship once you made that decision? I tried to be bad educated with her. In order that she leaves me, I didn't have the courage to leave her. Ah, so you kind of sabotaged the relationship by... Yeah, I, I tried to be bad, bad, beha bad behavior. Do you regret that? I regret of having hurt someone that is not, is not guilty. I am the only guilty. But at the time, I told you, I was not so into in like today. Did you find your wife quickly after that? Yes, it took one year, one to two years. And she came from a more active and, and Much background. less, much less. Less background. Much less. So how did she become more uh, involved? Because when, don't forget that my roots are traditional. In the, the Middle East, people don't go to the hairdresser on Saturday. We, 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 we used to go by car, but not the hairdresser. My wife used to, we used to go to the hairdresser. I said... If you are going to use the hairdresser on Saturday, I will not dance by you by night with the parties. So I will not, it's like a revenge. And I brought her, in, brought me a, a teacher in the house. One day she was in the plane, the plane shaked a lot. She said, if I arrive in good health in, in, the, in Brazil, I'm going to keep Shabbat. After she went, she kept Shabbat for two weeks, I went myself guilty if I introduced her to, to, to Shabbat. I don't respect Shabbat myself, I'm really stupid. I decided to, to respect Shabbat because so of you, her. you were not keeping it yourself yet? I was not keeping. Wow, so she actually came before you, even though you had more background. Yes. Same thing for kosher, for I, kosher and uh, so on. 
she decided that I wanted my children to go to a French school like me. I never studied in a Jewish school. She said, no, they will go to Jewish school. Wow. And are there good Jewish schools in Brazil? There is good, good Jewish schools. It could be better, but they are good. As a businessman in Brazil, how were you received as an active and prominent Jew in a very non-Jewish business environment? I, I used a kippah beginning six, seven years ago, not before. I was feeling bad at the beginning. When I, I made a tzedakah to non-Jewish, to Brazilian causes, I felt myself much stronger. Today, I use a kippah with pride. Why? I, is the, this Jew with kippah is doing good for the country, yes. So we respect him. Have you found that people respond that way? I feel this, yes. Especially in the high society. Yeah. So what made you ultimately decide, it sounds like you had your personal experience, made you really passionate about fighting assimilation and educating Jews? I have a passion in my life. I have a purpose. That God created me with a purpose. Like I create anyone with a purpose. I, I, I try to find my purpose. And I think to do good is my purpose. To fight assimilation is one one of the good things that is my purpose. Not, not, not the only one, one of the, the biggest, but not the only one. What are some of the others? To help poor people, to help girls that are prostituted, abused in Brazil. Wow. Minors. Not Jewish, necessarily. Not Jewish. Yeah. Is that a big problem in Brazil? Huge. Really? 500,000 girls and minors abused. People abuse them from two years of age, three years, seven, four years, five years, eight years. They are they become pregnant at 12 years and then their life is ruined. She must take care of the child. She doesn't have money. She does a lot of things to to feed the boy, the, the child, and so on. We try to, to double the GDP social in Brazil to, in order to be able the country to give 0.2% today to social causes to, to go to 0.4. We try to help poor people, elder people. We try to, to make people aware of the problem. And we are going to begin to, in, uh, to, to with the government to fight the non-education by helping to, to make the a new curriculum in a way to implement it into to, to, to the education. Same thing with the first, first childhood. We are beginning. Uh, somebody told me a story that they once came to you for uh, charity, for you know, for donation, and uh, you said to them very quickly, "What is your purpose? Do you know what your purpose in the, in this life is?" And they were very taken aback. Uh, is that something you try to do for, for other people to help every others day. find their purpose? Every day, everybody, every day. How do people react? Good. I speak about God, about the purpose. Every day I do the same thing with a lot of people. Every day, the whole year, the whole life. You feel that different people have lots of different purposes? No, they don't know. The problem is that some of them know, some of them doesn't have any idea. I try to awake them. Do you feel you've been successful? More or less. <laughs> I cannot know if I'm successful. I try to. My... My main goal is to try. Then if I succeed, it's a different story. Right. So tell me a little bit about what you've been doing lately to really fight assimilation, to really bring education to the next generation. We try via Olami to, to touch the Jewish students in university. We try to give them, to give them religion, Judaism and God. 
in the root of Judaism. And I think so far we have been successful by lessening from 80% to 20% the rate of assimilation into universities from the children that follow our courses. I work on a campus, thanks to your support. Which campus? Maryland, University of Maryland. You was there? Or. Good, good so, example. Thank you. So, but sometimes, you know, I feel like we have, there are thousands and thousands of students there, Jewish students, 6,000 Jewish students. And thank God we have a, a wonderful program. But sometimes we feel like it's, it's a sinking ship, like no matter what you're doing, there's so much more to do. How do you stay optimistic? How do you stay engaged in that reality? I'm optimistic by nature. God will not give me a problem I cannot solve. If we didn't solve it because we, don't, we didn't try enough, I hope to one day to try enough to make it happen. And the, the only way to make it happen is to, make, to have a ripple effect. I mean, to, to affect people that will affect other people that will affect other people and so on. Like a, a, ripple, a ripple effect. I think it will happen one day. God cannot play with us, with dice. God cannot play us, cannot let us in, in only in trying. We will succeed with his help. So you never get down or depressed when you see what's going on? I don't. I, I'm optimistic. I'm a, I'm a fighter. I don't give up. What are some things you think can still be done to take things to the next level? Do we need more awake supporters? The, awake the rich people, Jews, to help their brothers. Not to be selfish, not to think about themselves. To think about the children that are not theirs, that are being lost. And to think about in eternity, if we don't do enough, we'll pay the price. It'll be much more expensive than now. Do you feel like not enough philanthropists are, are invested in this cause? In this cause, but maybe mainly not. Nobody does. Nobody. It's really, if you think about it, it's really we two. Chabad are the only one who does it. Chabad, and within Olami, you have basically two major uh, philanthropists putting serious, serious resources. How do you change that? How do you get more major donors to come on board. Convincing people like you to help us by by making a ripple effect with your friends. Okay, well, my friends don't have I so much money, to, so... <laughs> you don't need money, you need the will. Promise uh, you're going to, to, to speak with 10 friends. Okay. Promise. Okay. Say, I promise. I promise. Good. Speak to 10 friends about to the help you to find assimilation. That your 10 friends should speak with 10 friends, each one will be, will be, will arrive to 100. 100 to 1,000, so on, is the only way. Does it bother you when you find people who are not as passionate about this? Do you want to ever I, I, shake I, people never, and say, I'm wake never, up? I'm never bothered. The only, I'm only bothered when I read something about the Holocaust, how this happened. How could how, how one million and a half children were killed? That bothered me a lot. How do you feel about the anti-Semitism that's been emerging today? What, what do you think about it? What's going on? When God created the Jews, God created anti-Semitism. I cannot go against. The only way is to help. We should be an example. As I told you, I cannot make mistakes. If a Jew makes mistakes with the kippah, he's going to make Hadul Hashem. So I try to, to, be, to behave well, not to make error. The Jews should behave well, not give a cause to the non-Jews to insult them or to, to make them with bad with shame. How do you feel when you see people who are doing that? You see on sometimes the front page of the newspaper someone who's really making a bad name for the Jewish people? I, I, I feel what I feel. What I feel doesn't matter. The matter is that I cannot change the world. I can change probably something around me. I try to. 
I don't give up, I told you. Are there stories of, that you've seen through the work of Olami or wherever you've been around the world that really give you that, that hope that you have given you encouragement? This morning, it was at the theater. I was very impressed by a girl of 19 years old, Elisha Schlitzer, that one promised to, to, to keep one Shabbat, the first Shabbat in her life. I was so impressed that I told her to make it arrive to 500. I wish, I would like to know what is the number. It was 325. I would like to know. I'm, a, I'm number 193, by the way. Uh, one <laughs> what number are you? 55. 50, 57, 55. Yes, yeah, so Alicia is a girl who's here at this leadership conference who uh, got up in front of the entire crowd of about 700 people and said she wants to observe her first Shabbat of her life. But not only that, she wants to inspire others to do it with her. So she started handing out wristbands, numbered wristbands, encouraging people, and people have been taking them left and right. Not just rabbis like me, but, but lots and lots of students have been taking them and uh, have committed to keep a Shabbat, which should create a beautiful atmosphere uh, in just a few hours here when we're, we're here together. About to say what in Olami, I see a lot of big persons, big rabbis, doing a sacrifice to help other Jews. We have 1,000 rabbis mainly, I don't know all of them, but a lot of them make a big sacrifice to help other Jews. That is a cause of pride. Yeah, I was going to ask you, do you feel proud of what we've done so far? Or do you feel never, said, never I, satisfied? Ben-Gurion said, I'm never satisfied. I could do much more. I, I, I think he's right. I could do much more. What about everyone else? Could everyone else be doing more, or do you feel like people are really? Do you feel like everyone out there who's working is, is doing as much as they can, or do you feel like everyone could be pushing harder? We, as a man, we have the obligation to to do more, to to try more. Me and everybody, me and the world. So I'm never satisfied by definition. That is a a cause of joy, a cause of sadness. Of joy because you look for more things to do. Sad because you are never happy. Right. But you said you're optimistic. Optimistic something, heavy is other thing. Mm. Two different things. So you feel you can never really be satisfied? I cannot, by definition. By definition. But why not? If you feel that you're doing everything that you can do. Who said I'm doing everything? Well, what I said yesterday to a person, God would judge me by my potential, not by my deeds. My potential is probably much bigger than my deeds. I hope that I will do my potential, but I don't think so because my potential is big and, and, you, and potential is always bigger than your needs by definition. So how does a person use more of their potential? Trying more, never stop trying. Never stop trying. Never ever. It's a powerful message. I want to tell you well, something. Please. Seven years ago I got Parkinson. Wow. Theoretically this would have limited my, my style of living, of working, of doing philanthropy. I didn't stop. I work less, but I much. I make eight hours of photography per day. So what I was I was working 12, 13 hours a day. I'm working 12, 13 hours a day. The difference between I, I was doing ten hours of business, three of philanthropy. Now I'm doing three of business and ten of philanthropy. God wanted me to test me, like He did me before. I am. I, I, I say I'm not going to stop God, even if you send me problems. I'm going to do your will. With my sickness or without my sickness. Wow. I will not stop. How are you feeling now? In the question of sickness? Yeah. Good. 
Do I have another choice? <laughs> yes, you do. I don't. You sure you have a choice? You don't have a choice. You can. We we can always choose how we respond and how we feel. But I can, uh, knowing what I know and and the one thing, to willing to have a better world, I don't have a choice. And I I hate the other choice, not to do nothing. Yeah. I hate. So that is your choice. Your choice is to my, not have another choice. My choice is to fight. I feel good when I fight. Why do you think you were born such a fighter? I'm a Kohen. The Kohen are nervous normally. <laughs> I am a lion. The lion is aggressive. God decided that my fate is to be aggressive and nervous. What am I going to do? I, can, I didn't decide. He decided for me. Have there been times he in your life? He decided that I, I would be a man. I decided I would be a, from my mother and father. He decided I would be born in Syria. He decided so on everything. Has it ever gotten you into trouble? Some people don't accept the truth. I used to be more rude than today. Today I'm a little bit more stubborn. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't fight. I hate fight. Fight to life, yes, not fight with people. I hate to fight with people. Not to fight for life, I fight. I had one fight maybe the three, last three, four years only. Two maybe. Well, you clearly have a very, very soft heart. Because I have soft heart. If you care so much about the Jewish people and so much about abused girls in Brazil and all these other causes, as strong as your personality might be, it's obviously undergirded by a very, very soft heart. Thanks God I'm not a Nazi. That killed and burned children without any pity. This kind of animal, I hate it. I prefer much more to be a soft heart, a human person who feels, who cares and try to help people to, to live, to study, or to do, or so on. One thing we did one month ago, maybe it's interesting. We made, via internet, we made an, we made an offer, we in my in group, to help people to do good, we, we thought they were going to pay $25,000 for 50 groups that will do the better, a better job. We had 4,800 applicants, we are going to choose 1,000. Then a, ju a jury, a popular jury, will choose 1,100, then 100 to 50. This make another one million people those, those that uh, saw that uh, postage. So this will help them to make good in Brazil, to give good examples. Like this, we are going to do a lot of things to, to make people feel better to do good. And uh, well, our only profit is the good of, uh, in itself. We don't have any profit. Our profit is a good. Well, Mr. Horn, we're very honored that you've chosen to invest in this incredible way and joined us today. Um, anything you'd like to add? The advice. Don't live in a chaos life. Don't live in a life of coincidence. Don't think that everything happens just like that. Don't, leave, don't, don't accept luck as a way of living. Try to find who created you, why you are born, why you, why you are X, X, Y, or Z, Z. If you're stupid, intelligent, brown or blonde or whatever else, try to see why you are born, what you are, why, why you're living, why you are married to such person, why your child is yours, not the other, the other child, other person's child. And whenever you find the solution about your, your life, try to find your solution in life. Don't die as an empty person with an empty head. 
think about your eternity, think about someone who created you, think about your soul, don't be selfish, help, because to help is the only big concern of life in, in, in this world. To do good is the only explanation of creation. Without good, life has no meaning, and God would not have created us. Thank you very much. God bless you. Amen. Shabbat Thank shalom. you. Shabbat shalom. Thank you so much for joining us. This has been Ari Koretsky on Jews You Should Know. Please visit us at JewsYouShouldKnow.com and subscribe at iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you consume podcasts. Find us on social media at JewsYouShouldKnow. If you'd like to become a supporter of this podcast, we would greatly appreciate that. And you can do so by visiting Patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash JewsYouShouldKnow. Finally, If you have enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review so that we can continue to grow and introduce many more people to Jews you should know.